This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast presented by the YouTube page Cameo Shoutout. What does that mean? It means if you subscribe to our new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, you will get qualified to get a free shout out for me. So I got people, I just did two this morning. They go to Cameo. They hire me to do a quick shout out for their buddy or their fantasy league or whatever. I'm giving away a free one. I'll give a shout out to anyone for anything as long as you subscribe at youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. At Ross Tucker NFL is where I am everywhere. YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, bunch of media gigs. We are at Ross Tucker Pod, Twitter and Instagram, and you can check out yesterday's Ross Tucker football podcast with my college teammate, roommate, fraternity brother, Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football was epic. People absolutely are loving that one. Everybody on our private Slack channel, patreon.com slash RT Media, saying it was one of their favorite episodes ever, which is very cool. I got to tell you, Every episode I have with a full-fledged YouTube star like Emery Hunt is a great episode of the College Draft Podcast. Check him out on Twitter at Fball Game Plan. He's Football Game Plan on YouTube. And I got to tell you, if you haven't already pre-ordered his 2121 draft guide, you're doing it wrong. FootballGamePlan.com slash 2021 draft guide. It's awesome. Emery sent me the 2020 guide. Incredible. It's like the perfect amount of information that I want on every prospect. Uh, Emery, it took about an hour for me to download that bad boy. It's so big and so full of information, but it was worth it. I love it. I appreciate that, man. And it's something, like you said, we wanted to make it digestible for for everyone to to where it's not overly worried to where you feel like you're reading a book you want to know something quick on everybody that's eligible or close to being eligible or in the draft uh, that your team has uh, either signed or drafted, that's the perfect guide for you, especially for what we do in the broadcast realm. You need quick hits on everybody. And that when we were putting it together, it was like, man, this is the right amount of information on everyone to where you can follow out throughout training camp, uh, throughout the season when guys come and go off the roster. This is the perfect draft guide for you. No, it, it, it really is. I mean, I, that, that's the first thing that jumped out to me. Like, this is what I need, right? Like, I like in-depth information, but I need, you know, give me the bullet points for each guy before I'm doing a college football game, before I'm doing the NFL draft. That's what I need. I love it. Footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. Weird day today. 
on the College Draft Podcast for a bunch of reasons, Emery. Number one, we're recording it on a Tuesday because I was driving back from the St. Lawrence River yesterday. So we're recording it on Tuesday. Usually we do it on a Monday. Number two, we are breaking down the top prospects in the Pac-12 who evidently will not play football this fall. It's going to be the weirdest thing ever, Emory. I mean, when you and I were talking before we started, the Army, the Black Knights, and I do a lot of their games for CBS Sports Network, they just came out with, uh, I, I think it's an 11-game schedule, 10 games, and then the Army-Navy game. And I know I'll at least be calling the first two of those against Middle Tennessee State on September 5th, Louisiana Monroe on September 12th. So, I mean, here we are. It is August 25th. So I'm like 12 days away, 11 days away from being in a booth calling a college football game. Fingers crossed, hands together. I mean, I didn't know if I'd get any in them. I'm going to, you know, what you always say as a player, you got to play every game like it's your last. I'm broadcasting every game this year like it's my last. Yeah, you know, it's funny, and I'm happy that you're going to get on those calls. Uh, for Army, especially that, that UL Monroe game, they have a pretty talented tailback that I think you're really liking in Josh Johnson. Uh, but when I saw that the MEAC will play in the spring, I instantly got hit up and, and was like, man, so are we calling these games in the spring? Like, yep, absolutely. I'm like, all right. So now I'm looking forward to the spring to calling these Morgan State games. And it's just like, I, I know that feeling that you have, like, man, it can't get here fast enough because I don't want to lose this opportunity because you never know if we're going to have college football this season. So you got two great games, and you have – Army's schedule is impressive, and I think Army is one of those teams that could flirt in this weird year with an undefeated record. So uh, you said it exactly right. I mean, there's a chance I'll do some games in the spring too. I mean, this is all uncharted territory. I don't think anybody really knows what's going on. We know right now that there will be no Big Ten, Pac-12, or – Mountain West football in the fall. And really, I I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, Emory. I don't think there's I don't think there's any D three. I don't think there's any D two. Are there any FCS conferences still trying to play? There it's it's all independence right now in the FCS as far as teams are allowed to go out and schedule their own games. So you have uh Central Arkansas with a four game schedule. You have Stephen F. Austin. Now the Southland Conference is not playing, but you do have Central Arkansas playing. And you have Stephen F. Austin going out there and, and scheduling games. So individual teams are scheduling. And we actually kick off college football this weekend with Austin P in Central Arkansas in the FCS kickoff classic. So that's going to be interesting. That game was actually moved to 9 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday just to take advantage of the, the primetime schedule. So we do have one college football game kicking off. And that just shows you how wild it is right now in the FCS as far as scheduling is concerned. Wow. All right, well, let's get to the Pac-12 studs. Several of these guys, uh, at least I know a couple of them, have already decided to declare to, for the NFL draft. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with a winter or spring league for the Pac-12, but it's the Pac-12. They've always got dudes. We'll start with the big offensive tackle out of Oregon, Penne Sewell. Been an awesome player the last couple of years. I called one of his brother's games. A couple of his brothers played it at Nevada. He went to Oregon, and this is a terrific, terrific player. Yeah, I love the the contact power he makes. When you are uh, firing off the football, whether it's in uh, the run game or, you know, when he sets up in pass pro, 
the contact he makes with the defender puts him at, a, at an advantage because he's able to slow that guy down. And in the run game, he's able to wash him away or really drive him off the ball. So I think with, with him, it's more about the, the sheer strength that he has. He has some technical issues that he, that he has to clean up, like his hand placement to me is a bit inconsistent, uh, but his raw power and strength gives him a chance on Sundays. Yeah, and I think that's the next time we'll see him play uh, is is on Sundays uh, because what a shame. Um, let's stay out there. Another guy uh, that I guess there was some speculation that maybe he would turn pro. He didn't, and that's uh, Paulson Adebo, the corner from Stanford. Yeah, he has all the height, weight, speed measurables that you know scouts would like. Personally, I think he's either a specific scheme fit for a team or will probably be best suited to play safety. I love his effort and run support. I think he's a very good run defender. Uh, he sets a, a strong physical edge uh, in coverage. He can play tight man coverage, but he gets turned around. He's a little bit, it's almost like he's a little bit too long leg to where it gets awkward in transition. So he has to either play tight man coverage, or if he plays off, it has to be mainly a zone coverage where he can, you know, really re-react and drive on a ball. But I think being a pure natural corner, um, it's almost like Malcolm Jenkins when he was at Ohio State. You saw him play corner and played it well, but you kind of saw that he will probably have to transition to more of a safety role at the NFL level because of what he's going to see down to down from an athleticism standpoint at that position. So I think that's why he went back to try to clean up some of those that, that rawness in this game. But I do think he's probably more suited to either play specifically in Seattle or Minnesota or move to safety. So that's pretty interesting uh, because, you know, we talked about this a lot this offseason with Greg Cosell, the executive producer of the NFL matchup show on Friday's Ross Tucker football podcast about with all the RPO stuff, all the quick stuff, middle of the field, more and more teams are playing man-to-man. If you can't play man-to-man at a high level, it's tough to play out there now. I mean, it's you know, it sounds to me like you're saying he would have been a real good maybe cover two corner back in the day, but that's not really the game for many teams anymore. Exactly. And you look at a guy that made the transition from safety to uh, corner and had some struggles but also had some some wins, and that's uh, Trey Flowers out there in, in Seattle, who was at Oklahoma State, was a safety, and they moved him to corner. Um, but again, you're right. If he was playing in an old-school classic cover two scheme, he'd be ideal. Those, those old bear defenses, uh, you know, with Charles Tillman and, and Mike Brown out there at safety, catching every interception that was a tip pass, uh, he would have been ideal there. Uh, but I think now it's like, man, it, you, you worry about the fluidity. Um, as far as, you know, it being a change of direction type game. And, and I don't think he has the hips right now for that. Next up is a wide receiver I'm very familiar with, having called his game in the U.S. Army Bowl. He actually played in high school with JT Daniels, the former USC quarterback who's transferred to Georgia. They both played at modern day high school. And that is Amon Ra St. Brown. He's had several brothers play FBS ball, Equinemia St. Brown. One of his brothers is with the Green Bay Packers right now. And I don't know what he's done in college. I haven't followed him as closely 
Emery, I just remember in the U.S. Army Bowl, he was just smooth. I mean, I, I wasn't blown away by his size. He didn't have, like, lightning speed. He was just good. I mean, he was just good and got open and caught it and smooth and very, very confident. He, I'm glad you brought all of those things up because that is how you would aptly describe how he plays, man. It's, he doesn't wow you with his breakaway speed. He's not 6'5", 230 or something like that. Uh, but you like his smoothness and you like his versatility. He can play across the board. You see him at X, at Z, inside at the slot position. Um, he tracks the ball really well. He he is able to comfortably catch the ball in, in you know in traffic. Is not afraid of contact. He's able to, to focus on the ball when he's in a contested situation. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Marvin Jones. You know, there's nothing spectacular about Marvin Jones's game. He's just a very good football player, a guy that you definitely want on your team, and one that's always seeming to get open. And I see the same things with with Amon Ross St. Brown. Interesting. I love when you have an NFL player comparison. You know, and you can't force it. Doesn't happen all the time. We know that. But I do think it helps people visualize sort of what the guy is somewhat similar to. You're not saying he's going to be Marvin Jones, but just an idea of kind of what he is. All right, let's get to a, another Oregon Duck, and that is running back C.J. Verdell. This is one of the more explosive backs in the draft class or, you know, that's going to be in the draft class. I'm a big fan of his game. I love his uh, short area burst and explosiveness. I love his uh, decisiveness as a runner. He's just one cut downhill, but does it in an explosive manner. We saw him single-handedly beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. They really couldn't stop him. Um, And to me, I don't think he's getting enough pub as being one of the top backs in the nation. I think people are really underestimating his game. He plays a lot like uh, his running style and, and what he can do as a receiver, as a runner. He plays a lot like Alvin Kamara. You know, they're built about the same, that five, ten and a half, maybe 212-pound compact, strong uh, body uh, that, that runs with a lot of power. You look at him, you don't think he's a powerful guy, but he's constantly breaking tackles and has the speed to pull away from defenders. So I think he's a very underrated back, one of those rare uh, sleepers coming from a Power 5 school. Cornerback Elijah Molden from UW, the Huskies up there in Washington. You can't go wrong with a Washington Husky defensive back. And what I like about what they do out there is it seems like all of those guys come out of college with great instincts. You know, you talk about uh, Peters when he came out of Washington, great instincts. You look at uh, what they had last year with Taylor Rapp coming out and playing well with the Rams, a good move piece. He was our number one combo safety. You look at um, Murphy uh, in Arizona, came out, great instincts, can match up inside. And I see the same things here for him where he has terrific instincts. And Molden is a guy that really sees the football, understands passing concepts, is able to get himself in position to make a play. And I just love the instincts out there. I don't care if you're, you know, 6'5 or, you know, running a 4'2. If you're football aware, I can win with you because you're going to put yourself in position to make the right play every time. You're going to make things right out there on the field. And Molden, to me, has outstanding spatial awareness. You also talk about uh, the other guy down in Arizona. I want to miss miss him, um, Buda Baker. All of these guys have terrific football instincts. I just went through 
the Washington Huskies secondary. That shows you what they're able to recruit, develop, and put out there on the field. Wow, that's a great point, Emory. I never thought of it that way. But Buda Baker and Rap and all these guys, it's, oh, they're not tall enough, or, oh, they don't have a great 40 time. You watch those guys, they know what the heck they're doing. I mean, I, I just can't emphasize enough how important that is. You know, I think Taylor Rapp had like a 4-7-40. When he sees what's coming and identifies it, it looks like he shot out of a cannon. <laughs> exactly. And and every time you watched him play in uh, at Washington, you're like, man, this dude is always making the play. Like, it's like he was like Tyron Matthew in, in the sense that, you know, he's always where he needs to be, regardless of his size or speed limitations. He's where he needs to be. He's making a play. He's a good open field tackler. He's making game-changing plays. Like, man, that's a guy I want on my defense. Let's get to another offensive tackle and another guy that was in the U.S. Army Bowl who I watched very closely. He was extremely impressive. And that's Walker Little from Stanford. Suffered a serious injury last year. Might have gone pro after this past year if he didn't suffer that serious injury. Comes back to school and now won't even get a chance to play. Uh, but he is, you look up left tackle, 6'8". I mean, he's got a lot of the measurables you're looking for. What have you seen from him so far in his time out there in the Bay Area? I, I love his polish, man. Um, I think he's more apt to start right away without any hiccups than Sewell. I like Little a lot, man. I like his hand placement. He keeps guys at bay. Um, really is able to counter their counter. Um you know, and in the in the run game, which is something that Stanford it, it predicates himself on, I think he does a solid job. I think he can be a little bit more assertive there. Uh, but his pass pro uh, was impressive. You go back and watch the Northwestern game and how initially they started out with Joe Gaziano, who's a terrific uh, pass rusher. I think he set their all-time sacks uh, record at Northwestern. He's now with the Rams. You go back and watch him start out on the, on the left side before they realize, okay, we probably won't have as much success with Gaziano against Little, so we're going to push him over to the right side and have him just rush over there. Uh, and, and he was productive on the other side, but Little is a guy that is, you know, a, a franchise left tackle, in my opinion. Um, really good hand placement and technique. He's a solid, you know, football player, one that has gotten developed nicely. And I'm glad to, to see that he, he was showing those traits in the high school American game that you spoke of. Yeah, he was impressive, man. I mean, he he was good. He looked the part, consistent all week. You know, he looked like he had Stanford written all over him without any question. Speaking of written all over, I have been telling you guys about the DraftKings Sportsbook app a lot. I'm going to tell you about something different today, something near and dear to Emery's heart as a big fantasy guy. That is the DraftKings DFS app. DraftKings is the leader in one-day fantasy sports. They're celebrating the return of sports by giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all of their customers, including one lucky winner who will take home a $1 million cash prize. That is crazy. To claim your share of up to $100 million in instant giveaways, all you have to do is download the DraftKings app and sign up using promo code ROSS. Then you can enter the DraftKings free football survivor pool. Is there anything better than survivor pools? 
No, there's not. I love Survivor Pools so much. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code ROSS to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for the $1 million cash top prize. That's promo code ROSS to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Here's the deal. This is not the DraftKings Sportsbook app, which I love, where only a few states are legal. This is like everybody. I mean, this is get the DraftKings app, put in the code Ross, go get some of that $100 million. You owe it to yourself. You also owe it to yourself to hear Emory Hunt break down Oregon State linebacker. Is it Hamilcar Rashad? How do you say his name? Uh, you got it correct. You got it correct. Hamilcar Rashad, the linebacker from Oregon State. Got to be honest with you, this doesn't happen often. I know nothing about this dude, Emory. Enlighten me. Yeah, very solid all-around linebacker. There's no wasted movements in, in what he brings to the table. He takes specific, direct, aggressive angles to the ball. He's not over-aggressive. He's able to play with with poise and play with um, that controlled aggressiveness that you want uh, at the point of attack. He pursues the ball really well. Uh, he's a, a impactful tackler, uh, and he does a great job of, of making plays that come his way. It's, there's rarely a, a situation where he's going to miss a tackle or doesn't set the edge or you know take a, a, a you know a slice inside when he's supposed to stay outside. Does everything you, you're asked to do, and he also can pressure the quarterback. He does it with power. He can beat you around the corner with, with a nice dip under move and, and accelerate to the QB. So he has good all-around game. It's not surprising to see him on a senior bowl watch list that came out this past weekend. Quarterback from Oregon, Anthony Brown. This is interesting. A year after you have uh, – tell me about Anthony Brown. Yeah, I saw a lot of him at Boston College, and he transferred – from BC to Oregon to perhaps win that job and play as a grad transfer. Uh, but he was going to have to compete with the guy that was already there, the, the, you know, the incumbent. Uh, but Brown, to me, I saw improvement uh, in his game every year at, at BC. And when he improved, so did that BC offense. Cause we know Boston college was primarily the East coast version of Stanford. They're going to run the football with all those tight ends. They're going to bludgeon you to death with some back that's six feet, 700 pounds, but got quick feet and acceleration, you know, and it's probably was a state power lifter. So they always had the same formula. But when they got Brown there and they were able to extend the, the passing game and push the ball vertically down the field uh, with a guy that was a former quarterback in Jeff Smith that's now with the Jets that plays a wide out, it became a more balanced offense. They became a dangerous football team. So you saw Brown get, get better every year. He has a rocket arm, like those in-breaking routes, He's going to hit those all day. His his comp for me is Tavares Jackson. When you see a guy that can drop back and just live all day on those intermediate in-breaking routes or those deep comeback routes, that's where he can make his money. He's good off play action. He has good athleticism, so he can be a plus one uh, in the red zone if, if need be. He had the injury, you know, the ACL. So I think coming back, that's why he went to Oregon, wanted to get, you know, show that he's healthy and, and ready to go. But I think he's an underrated player uh, because of what he was able to show at Boston College. And, and playing in that pro-style offense out there in B.C., I think shows a lot of what he can be at the next level, at least as a QB, two. You know, I think he could be a solid uh, reserve 
uh, because he has some traits that, that you like. He has some good leadership skills that you want to see. You've said it before. I think we've, we, we've mentioned it, but I want to make sure everybody knows what you mean when you say plus one in the running game. Talking about a guy that, because you know how the uh, defense always usually has the advantage of playing 11 on 10, but because you don't account for the quarterback that can move. But if you have a guy that can move around and, and be an asset with his legs, it levels out the playing field. It makes it an 11 on 11 game. So when you have a plus one, now defensively, you have to really be, uh, you know, correcting your in your pursuit angles. You have to really play sound defense. You have to be gap sound. You can't have that extra guy, guy just drop back in coverage. Um, you really have to be aware of the quarterback at all times because he can really break contain and throw off everything defensively if you're not uh, cognizant of his ability to, to move around. And that's something that Brown does. Now, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's more of, uh, you know, like a Tavares Jackson, a guy that can pick up those cheap yards. He's like, a let's say, a Josh Allen that can, you know, drop back, nothing's open, scramble, and, and you know, make a, make a play. Uh, so you still have to worry about him. And inside the red zone, using his athleticism as an asset helps aid the run game helps keep you honest defensively and helps open up some passing windows uh, on a, on the back end. And, uh, you know, when you're trying to throw the football play action. You mentioned the run game, not very often you talk about the run game or a running back from Washington state, but we're going to do it with Max Borgie. What's interesting about him is we talk about specific fits um, and roles at the next level for him. I think it's the same thing. Uh, you wanted to see you wanted to see him be more of the traditional standard tailback that can be in down in down out. But I think his role at the next level is more specific. He's your quintessential third down back, a guy that you want to get out on the perimeter and allow him to work on a linebacker. You could run him on sprint draws and you know things like that. But I think he's best suited to be uh, more of a complimentary guy. I, I love his ability in in the passing game. Um, he has good quickness. He's able to make a guy miss in space. So you want to get him out on the perimeter. And I think he's more of a, a matchup piece than opposed to your traditional tailback. I think people are probably viewing him in a traditional tailback scope. Uh, but I think his role would probably end up being more specific than that to where you want him on the field. He can be that Austin Eckler type uh, for your offense. I know Eckler is expected to be the starter uh, for the Chargers this year, but I think his role should be more specific to what it was prior to Melvin Gordon leaving. So I remember Max Borgie, uh, I did Washington State against Houston last year, and he absolutely flashed and showed some plays in the passing game for sure. Let's wrap it up with a D-tackle from USC, Jay Tufele. Tufele is is quick off the ball. He He's kind of one of those old-school uh, USC interior lineman. Remember back when they had the, the new edition of the Wild Bunch? Uh, out there on, on the defensive line, guys that were able to, to quickly pressure on the inside. Uh, you know, I think his short arms will keep him from playing, let's say, a five-tech, um, you know, being a burst enough player to play across the defensive line. But interior, uh, as a as a one or a three, he definitely has that ability because he's quick off the ball. Uh, and he gets good um, – he's playing with good leverage too. I like how he's able to quickly get in the backfield but still stay square enough to where he can read – redirect and make a play. And I like that about his game. He's another guy that could have came out last year. Uh, but I think, you know, when you look at what he's able to do up front and be disruptive and, you know, destroy blocking assignments on the inside, but also play with his eyes, he's a very impressive prospect. You know, 
I've seen some video of him from my buddy Fran Duffy. He's impressive. You know, with his hands and his ability to get off and stack all linemen and shed them, he is very impressive. Almost as impressive as Emery's draft guide. Footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. You absolutely have to check it out. And check out today's Even Money podcast as well. It's our first official bets of the 2020 NFL season. Our AFC season win total bets should be awesome. Check out Emery on Twitter at F-Ball Game Plan, Football Game Plan on YouTube. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL everywhere, at Ross Tucker Pod as well. Even Money Podcast will be posted later today. Our first official bets, AFC season win totals. You do not want to miss that. Other than that, The keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.